Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Before we get started this evening, I just wanted to say, uh, express my appreciation to all of those who have subscribed and who've been listening to our podcast, who've been checking out our posts. The growth that we have had in the last uh, three months has been astronomical. And we just appreciate those of you who tune in and share and, uh, and, and just take the time to listen to the things we have. We, we really work hard to try to bring you the very best uh, coverage possible, give you the best insights, especially what's happening at Walt Disney World and at all the Disney parks worldwide as we go through this crazy pandemic period that we are in. So I just wanted to start by expressing my appreciation. Uh, we have, over the last couple of weeks, I've been to the parks uh, seven times. I'm going to, um, I've been to all of the parks so far, obviously, if you've been listening to our podcast. I've been to um, uh, seven, uh, been seven times over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to two more parks this week, back to Disney's Hollywood Studios and Magic Kingdom. And uh, it's just given me great insights as to how things are working and what's happening, what's not working. We've been able to give you some really great podcasts to really give you a sense of what is going on during this period. Um, one of the most uh, uh, popular podcasts that we've had has been, um, Should I Be, When Should I Visit? Uh, Walt Disney World, either in 2020 or 2021. If you have not listened to that podcast, I invite you to do so because um, there we have a great chart on there and there are some really solid ideas. In fact, I'm just going to put it out there. If you are a big Disney fan, and chances are you are if you are listening to this podcast, if you're a big Disney fan, you can deal a little bit with the heat and wearing a mask. You've got great health. This is the time to visit the parks. It is definitely the time to visit, especially as uh, if you reach out to uh, my colleague, David Zanola, and you look at the pricing of rooms uh, on property or even off property, I'm telling you, you can get great uh, bargains. And while you're missing the parade and the fireworks and some of the other things, the fact that you could just be in these parks and they're practically yours. I mean, you really have these wonderful moments where you just uh, uh, just uh, feel like you are you you are experiencing this exclusivity of being at Walt Disney World. So, I definitely recommend that podcast. And also, um, we've also had another one recently which again, emphasizes what's been going on. We noted over 65 examples in one of our podcasts um, of when we canvassed both Magic Kingdom and Disney's Animal Kingdom. There were 65 examples or more of how Disney is working very intently uh, to provide a COVID-19 free experience in the parks. Um, I think, honestly, they are a prototype um, experimental prototype community of tomorrow, um, but they are a prototype for what businesses ought to be doing elsewhere and in any location in terms of being able to keep business running and still um, make it a safe experience for guests. And I still stand very much by the fact that I feel very safe in these parks. That said, 
there is always room for a little bit of improvement. I wouldn't say so much in making it more COVID-free or safe-free, though some of these things do touch on it. I just really think that there are some really low, no-cost things that, that Disney could do. Yeah, there's some expensive things, too, but, but there's some really um, simple things that Disney could be doing to relatively speaking, to really make the park experience even better, despite the fact that um, they have to address the the whole COVID uh, challenge. And so what we're going through tonight is five park fixes uh, we would make during uh, COVID-19. And I'd like to just start with the very first one, which deals with... Um, park availability for pass holders. As you well know, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you have a Disney reservation system which requires you before entering into the park to have made a reservation to visit the park. You can't just show up, you have to have a reservation. When you make that reservation, they divide you into one of three groups. One is those who are staying on Disney resort property. Second, those who um, are off property or coming from anywhere but want to buy a Disney ticket and visit the parks. And the third being those who are annual pass holders attending the parks. For each one of those three categories, there is a different calendar. And that calendar shows availability differently. By and large... Um, the best availability is between those staying, those resort guests staying on property and those who want to buy a ticket. I have not seen an instance yet where you could not find a park. There have been times where you couldn't go to the studios because studios have been the most, not just maybe the most popular, but probably the most difficult to to manage a larger number of guests so they probably have less guests that they're able to take in than compared to the other parks however all that said and done um you can find a park to attend if you're staying a resort property and you can find a park to visit if you are buying a ticket the same thing cannot be said for pass holders there are many days well almost most days um, moving out for the next month and a half, Disney's Hollywood Studios is not available. There are also other days where other parks like Magic Kingdom or Disney's Animal Kingdom are not available as well. And there are a handful of days where no park is available. In fact, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. I've been at Epcot earlier today, which was available, I believe, Magic Kingdom and uh, Animal Kingdom was available as well. Studios was blocked out. Tomorrow, Wednesday, all four parks are blocked out. Don't know why, particularly on Wednesday, where the blockouts are usually happening is on Saturdays and sometimes Sundays, maybe a Monday, where it gets particularly problematic is that starting on August 7th, the lowest tier, I believe that's the silver tier, of annual pass holders are now eligible to come back and visit the parks. And so now there's this new deluge of people who are wanting to make a reservation and visit. And 
where I'm coming from is, as I look at the parks, with perhaps the exception of Disney's Hollywood Studios, and even there I find a few um, exceptions, I'm struggling. I am struggling to think that you couldn't add more uh, pass holders to the list. Now, in truth, what Disney did after the first week is they made an announcement that we would add more pass holder days. So that was good. I also noticed yesterday morning, early Monday morning, there seemed to be more availability to attend the park. There were a number of gray days that seemed to have turned yellow, meaning the studios, by and large, was still not available, but the other parks were. There was some availability somewhere. And as a Disney annual pass holder, you know, I respect the fact that I might have to plan out uh, a couple of weeks ahead of time in order to go to Disney's Hollywood Studios. But I really reject the notion as a Disney annual pass holder paying the premium price that I pay that there is not a given park available every day. And when I see that there are there is park availability still for those who buy the tickets and for those staying on resort property, and yet there's nothing available to an annual pass holder, I think that's a missed opportunity. Now, don't miss me. I get the economics of all this. Those who stay on Disney Resort property are bringing in a whole lot money, more money every day than annual pass holders. And I also get the idea that those who are um, buying a ticket as they come into the park are spending more money than annual pass holders. There's no question. And I want Disney to get make money right now. It is important that Disney earn that revenue. And I even kind of get the idea that they ought to be a priority to some extent above, above the pass holders. But what I don't understand is how I can look at a given day and see all green for those staying on resort property and see all green for those buying a ticket, knowing that most of those people are not going to buy the ticket at the window. They're not gonna buy the ticket the day of. They've bought their tickets. They've made their reservations. If they haven't made a reservation by the day of, chances are those two segments are not going to be visiting the park that day. So why is there still green space or even yellow space at least and yet there's no space available for annual pass holders. I, I just think there needs to be a little bit more ebb and flow of availability. There should never be a day in which um, pass holders should not be able to get into at least one park. At least for now, given the numbers, I'm just looking, I am looking at Epcot and I have been there now uh, one, two, Three, four, three or four times since it opened, three times since it's opened, and covering the food and wine. I've been there in the morning. I've been there in the middle of the day. I've been there at the evening when it's closing out, and there is so much availability. We talked about the in the uh, food and wine festival review, which you want to make sure you check that one out. But in there, we talk about World Showplace, the big event space located between the United Kingdom and um, Canada. And in that space, there were 12 parties um, hovering over what was over 80 tables or um, uh, 
that were available within that space. In other situations, you could look out down the street of the promenade and only see six, seven people in the next 150 yards in front of you. There's just, an, there could be more people. There is no reason why you can't be able to go to Epcot every day. I just have not seen that. And Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, I see a lot of availability there. So I'm, I'm very confused by that. And by the way, I'm just putting it out there. Why can't there be like a two o'clock raffle that would allow pass holders to have maybe an x-ray year because you only have three passes and this is part of the challenge here um, is that you only have three, but couldn't there be a situation where at two o'clock in the afternoon every day, you could allow pass holders to enter into some kind of raffle um, for an after four o'clock entry? One of the realities of pass holders is that by and large, especially after they've been to the parks once or twice now that we're reopened, most pass holders want to come in after four anyway. They want to come in for an evening. Now that's a little problematic because like Disney's Animal Kingdom is closing way early. Um, even the studios at 8 p.m. Epcot's better. But, but that is a part of the problem. I think the parks need to stay a little later. I think if you had the pass holders coming, if you had an extra option for pass holders to enjoy the evening, I think you would see more revenue. I know for myself that I haven't been there once that I haven't spent at least $30 um, per person for every visit I have made. Well, that's $30 you didn't have yesterday, Disney. So and you multiply that times every time the pass holder comes, and I think some pass holders spend a lot more, some spend a little less um, than I might, but you're missing, you're missing money on the table. Pass holders will not spend as much money as the other two groups, but they will spend notwithstanding, and I don't think it's gonna take a lot more labor for you to host them. So I just think, there's an opportunity to increase your revenues as a as a resort at the same time pleasing um, pass holders and giving them more options for enjoying the parks on more days. So that's number one. Open up the pass holder availability. The second has to do with the whole fever tent checking thing which is seamless it's easy going in every single park with an exception and that exception is disney's hollywood studios in the mornings there are now lines that are fairly long into what is a very few booths um or tents i should say by the way those tents I noticed when I was at Epcot during a lightning storm today, no one was under those tents. They were standing under under bridges because those tents aren't lightning proof. And here they are, you know, holding equipment and so forth. At any rate, that's a mess. But we understand these are temporary and I'll come to that in a minute. But, but the studios in particular has a problem because they have said, if you want to get on Rise of the Resistance, then that raffle or that possibility of getting a boarding pass is going to occur at 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m. It was ha happening at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4, but they've changed that to just 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. as um, 
for that event. Well, everybody's trying to get into the park before 10 a.m. That's created longer lines to kind of make sure you didn't have these long lines. The parking plaza folks were kind of holding back people as well. Until you really resolve this whole thing with Rise, you gotta you got more need more tents up there at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Or better yet, and by the way, the the, the there's no chokehold for the security portion. There are plenty of security cast members there taking care of you and so forth. That's not a hold. It is the temperature check. And that just there just isn't enough folks doing that. Now contrast that with Disney's Animal Kingdom. Disney's Animal Kingdom has started implementing this new device that allows you to walk through a security check without opening anything. Um, and I literally have come through with with uh, metal objects for filming and uh, you know my stabilizer and so forth to, for, to shoot a video and not had to take it out of my suitcase or, not, or take it out of my bag or anything. You just walk through. The cool thing about that is that those same pieces of equipment, it may cost extra money, but those same pieces of equipment also can do a fever check. It moves people just a slightly slower through the system, but still given the numbers you have, it's, it's all right. I don't know if the ones they have at Disney's Animal Kingdom has that extra add-on feature to them or they're um, because they're still doing the fever check. This may be security theater, safety theaters. We kind of talk about it, showing that, hey, it, you know, uh, preventing COVID-19 is so important. We kind of uh, make it an overt looking activity when in truth, this technology could do it. But at any rate, if you put in those fever check pieces of equipment and you move them over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, man, you could move through people through quicker. And given this thing with the boarding pass at Rise, that's not going to go away anytime soon. People are going to want to ride Rise of uh, the Resistance. So what could be done to just make it easier to get more people through the fever check that needs to happen before they enter the park? That's uh, my number two thing. Number three, more rest and covered areas. Um, Disney's Animal Kingdom has um, a rest area inside what has been Pizza Fari. It's not the whole facility, it's only one dining area. And you, there's outside uh, facility too, if you want there at Pizza Fari. And that was nice. We went in there to just kind of get, uh, get our act together, get things ready um, to where we were going next. Actually, we did a mobile order on Satuli Canteen from there because we knew you couldn't enter the restaurant until you had your order ready and we ordered there inside there and said we we're ready and then walked over to Satuli Canteen and literally walked through to get our food. That was cool. There's also one at Akershus. I had completely forgotten that. Um, and I wish I had done it because I have not been to Akershus that many times and I would love to even just take some photos in there as well. But so I kind of miss that. Magic Kingdom has no indoor facility. That is a miss. And I, I don't know if that means, I don't know what could be done, but it seems like something could be opened up as an indoor area. And 
And I also have to say, the all these areas, they all need a housekeeper to wipe down tables after everybody leaves. They need to be kept clean. And I don't didn't sense that at Pizza Safari. I haven't sensed that at a few other areas. I, I'm mentioning all this because another, because when I ordered, um, I went to, again, we're continually adding on to the items that we showcase in our podcast and post on the Food and Wine Festival. And so I decided to do a Baobun review. Um, and then I bought something from the Caribbean area that I'll talk about uh, in a minute. And I got this Baobun thing. They put a, a paper plate on top of it as well as underneath it. And then I went in search of a place to eat it. And it was very frustrating to me. I'd forgotten the Acker shoes. If I'd known that, I probably would have hightailed back that way and, and gone there to eat. But I'd forgotten about it completely. And so I go over to the, um, to the counter service restaurant in China, which I knew was closed. But did you have to close off the tables? Couldn't they still have been in use, in operation? I, I couldn't understand why a covered area like that exterior with a housekeeping person coming by to wipe tables every few minutes, why that couldn't have been made available. Then when I went to the Caribbean facility to grab um, an item uh, from that facility, it was raining and there was no place to really eat this. And it's, it's really frustrating because here you are, you're having a food and wine festival and there is just no facility to really enjoy this, this item of food. I, if it wasn't for the fact that I review it, I wouldn't have purchased it, which again means lower costs. Um, it just seems to me that the parks need more rest and covered areas and, and that people need more shade this is not the hardest thing to create. Why can't we have more of that? It just seems like that is a that is a myth. So that is number three, more rest and covered areas. Number four, I feel like the retail experience has some challenges to it. First of all, a lot of retail places, particularly at the Magic Kingdom now, I'll be looking forward to seeing what it looks like later this week but it seemed like very few. I mean, I could name the Winnie the Pooh exit uh, retail space, the Pirates of the Caribbean retail exit space, and the, the Haunted Mansion retail space was actually taking appointments going in and out of there. And then everything on the west side of Main Street. But beyond that, it seemed like a lot of locations were not open. And it doesn't take a lot to staff. I just felt like that was a missed opportunity for, I, I can't believe that one $30 item can't cover that cast member who, uh, who you had on the payroll. And I'm sure that you could easily do several hundred dollars in the most um, quiet facility retail wise uh, on a Disney property. I mean, it is quiet out there in the parks, but Still, it seems like that's a missing. So one of the challenges with making retail easier is that there seems to be a need to have a few more places open. Um, to facilitate 
not having too many people in any one retail space, they've created a designated entrance and a designated exit. And I completely agree with this. World of Disney was the first to do that over at Disney Springs. And when there were too many people, they would take your name and send you a mobile text to come back. In the parks, I just have not seen that. I'm not saying that something like Mouse Gear couldn't um, get really busy towards key parts of the day, right before a thunderstorm, right before closing. I think there might be a time and place to do that. But it seemed to me that that uh, it just it was kind of a hassle, and I have had to keep going around. And I heard one lady try to return an ob an object over at Get Mouse Gears and told she had to go to the entrance, which was a hassle factor to go backwards when they were trying to exit the park. It just there was a lot of um, I think there needs to be a little f more flexibility during the during the quieter hours. They say protect the magic by not handling the merchandise. I think that's a brilliant idea. And I know I myself have been very reticent to pick up something and look at it, if, um, if at all possible. And yet, I do not understand why during this COVID-19 experience, they have not put out more price tags on, sh on merchandise shelves. It's... it's especially with product that has no price on on the product itself. Let me give you an example. Again, at Mouse Gears today, I had been eyeballing a little, um, because I'm a new grandpa, I've got to have cool Disney toys for my grandkids. So I've been eyeballing this cute little monorail train that has holes on the top of it to put Pez dispensers. I thought that would be a cool, fun thing to have when grandchildren came over to have this little Pez dispenser monorail. And so I go looking for it and I couldn't find it. And cast member helped me find it. That was great. But then I went to look at the price and there was no price listed. So after looking and looking, I finally took an object, picked it up and looked at it and there was a barcode but no price listed on the barcode so i approached another cast member manager and she takes the object she looks at it can't find the price goes around confers with another cast member working at a particular register the cast member helps in the end there's now two other people who have picked up this product and i'm maybe embarrassed to say but actually i put that product back and picked up another one that I thought might have been touched less. Um, and maybe I'm just overdoing it. But again, if you don't, if you want to preserve the magic by not having them touch the product so much, you need to put some pricing out there so people know uh, how much it is. Again, and for that matter, you know, we've been able to successfully do mobile ordering. What's keeping us from being able to just have a, some kind of scanner on our my Disney app, scan it, pay for it instantly, and walk out of it. Walk out of the store, present your tag, present your purchase, you know, to the to a cast member at the door, and reduce the number of cast members having to work cashier, and just pay electronically and go. This is this is not new technology. Amazon and others have been doing this for some time now in their retail outlets. So I will note, by the way. And this is not a retail example, but Pecos bills, 
was a great example when I went there on first day with Magic Kingdom. They had a real challenge in that they people were creating a mobile order, but they wouldn't let them into the restaurant until their mobile order was ready. At which point they would step into the restaurant and the place was completely barren. They would tell you which um, aisle to go to and you would go to the aisle and pick up your food. Well, meanwhile, everybody's dying of sweat and the heat. And if you've got a family who wants a table, that type of thing, they can't go in until you have... It was kind of crazy. So they have made changes to that to allow you to wait inside uh, for your mobile order to be ready and to just kind of space out people um, while they're waiting. I, I assume they don't let you in unless they, you can show that you have put your mobile order through. But then, you know, you can just stand on a circle until your mobile order is ready and then proceed to the counter. I love that. And I, I, I think I'm looking for more kind of options like that in the retail um, uh, venues. So that's number four, making the retailing a little easier. Number five, there, I, I am not an individual who does a lot of the, let's go line up to do a character meet and greet. As an adult, it just feels kind of geeky and weird. And I, it's been a while since I've had really young children and the last few children have been autistic children and they were afraid of doing it. So recently, my oldest autistic boy has, or my youngest autistic boy has, has wanted to do a lot of things like Anna and Elsa at Epcot um, and, and a few other Disney characters. So we've done some of that. But um, but it hasn't been until COVID-19 that I've really come to realize how important the Disney characters are to the guest experience. I liken, I've likened what things are like right now with no fast pass and other kinds of things happening, smaller crowds, to my experiences at Disneyland in my younger years. I love going through Disneyland because characters just kind of show up. And to that extent, they have been doing these character cavalcades um, throughout the parks. And they've had a couple other places where characters show up on the train station and so forth. Um, and I praise that. That is terrific. Now, multiply it times three. It needs to triple in terms of the number of characters. There should be characters out and about all the time. There needs to be music. And there just needs to be this energy, this kinetic energy of these characters being seen and out and about. There needs to be a whole lot more of this because otherwise sometimes you go through these areas and the areas are just kind of dead and feels very ghost town-like. But when the characters come, it just all seems to come alive. So I just think that there needs to be more characters out and about, um, especially, and, and they need to come up with more ways in which characters can be under cover or indoors in facilities where you can still see them or they can still wave to you, but you don't do a one-on-one -on -one with them. Um, I know, for instance, they have Anna and Elsa doing this carriage ride through Epcot. Looks really nice, but I can tell you, Afternoon thunderstorm, write that one off, you know, but could there be some kind of pontoon boat with a, with a roof or something or 
put them into the omnibus on the on the on the first floor of the omnibus uh the double decker buses and have them come around there just needs to be uh they need to be more available even when you have inclement weather or when things are not necessarily going uh so perfect around the park so anyway those are the five things that i think if you kind of address the pass holder availability the fever checking uh more rest and covered areas making the retailer easier and just add a little bit more magic with the disney characters that the experience could be so much more optimized in the parks uh, during this COVID time. Um, that wraps it up for this particular podcast. We are glad that you joined us. Can I invite you? Check out DisneyAtWork.com where we talk about best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth that you can then help apply back to your organization. So for instance, our last podcast was um, Should You Smile Behind a Mask? wearing a mask in a customer service scenario does it make a difference as a cashier at a register in a grocery store or um or on a on a bus picking up people um going down the street or at a at um a car dealership wherever does it matter that you smile behind the mask and the answer is yes and we use some disney examples and ideas and build on it and and talk about what Research has shown on that. Just one example. Also, we did a great little one. If uh, talked about um, twenty thousand leagues under the sea, formerly at Magic Kingdom, and how it became the Little Mermaid, and some lessons uh, around that. We did a great one earlier um, on the fourth of July, I believe it was, um, or earlier now than that on your American adventure. There's just some great things at Disney at work. So please take the time to look at that. You may also want to check out youtube.com or my channel, J Jeff Cober, where you'll see our familiar uh, Disney at work and play castle. And you'll see that we have a lot of videos. Um, one of the most pop you'll see my short chat with Josh Diomaro, um, who is the new head of uh, Disney parks worldwide you see um a number of uh park attractions played out you'll see in a unique can only be found on my channel disneyland paris imagineering interviews of each of the imagineers who headed up each of the different theme lands of disneyland paris um starting with toady and baxter and it just gives you this great overview of Disneyland Paris. So lots of stuff at YouTube. You make sure you subscribe there. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast because we have more coming out and we want to share with you, especially we are overdue for a Disney news on parade where we get you caught up on all the latest, greatest things happening in the Disney park. So be sure to join us. And in the interim, make sure that whatever you do, you do as Sinbad suggests in the words of Alan Menken's song, Follow the Compass of Your Heart, episode 37. Have a great day. We will see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>